The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Squawk Box. The headlines this hour. U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin tells CNBC exclusively President Trump will make the next move in his trade war with China after meeting with Xi Jinping later this month, but says Trump has no plans to back down on his threat of more tariffs. If China wants to move forward with the deal, we're prepared to move forward on the terms we've done. If China doesn't want to move forward, then President Trump is perfectly happy to move forward with tariffs to rebalance the relationship. U.S. futures rise after President Trump gives Mexico a pass, suspending tariffs on imports indefinitely after reaching a deal on immigration enforcement. Elsewhere, Chinese stocks moving higher after Beijing posts a bigger-than-expected trade surplus for May, with exports unexpectedly returning to growth and imports sliding. Plus, Arathion and United Technologies teaming up in an all-stock merger of equals to create the second-largest defense and aerospace company in the United States. Plus, in the wake of the collapsed merger between Fiat Chrysler and Renault, French Finance Minister Britta Le Maire tells CNBC protecting Renault's partnership with Nissan is the government's top priority. Our strategy has always been from the very beginning to reinforce the links between Renault and Nissan. And it will uh, remain the same for the coming month. Good morning, you lively bunch. Thank you very much indeed for joining us here on Scorebox. You're at the finest business show on the planet, and that's a fact. Now, look, do you remember on the show, around about this time on Friday, I said to Karen Cho, here's a question. I know the answer. And she said, what's the question? I said, look, here's the question. Do US markets rally if we have a bad number or rally if we have a good number on the payroll? What's the psyche? And she said, well, I think we go up. And I said, yeah, I think we go up regardless. And that is the point. Look at this. We had a dreadful set of payroll figures. The average hourly earnings, they weren't what was expected. A decimal below what was expected, but came in just above 3%, 3.1% for the AHE as well. The figure itself was woeful, just over 70,000 jobs created as opposed to 180,000 expected in the payroll as well. But revisions from previous months meant there was net new jobs gains of nothing. So that meant that everybody rushed into the bond market, rushed to look at the Fed fund futures. And yes, they've already penciled in a rate cut, well, 25% of them have anyway, for the next Fed meeting. So the US markets rallied. Materials were fantastic on the week. Uh, Technology was fantastic on the week as well. Some of the best days in 10 years we've been seeing on some of these indices. The S&P and the Dow were up respectively 4.4 and 4.7% for the week as well. So ebullience abounds in these US markets, despite the fact that we're seeing employment, according to one measure, and I do hasten to add it's one measure, grinding to a halt as well. So everybody's now spinning forward. And here's the date for your diary, the 18th and 19th of this month, i.e. next week, the 19th, we get the latest Fed decision, we get the Fed statement as well. And so people will be pouring over to cut immediately. Well, I'm sure the president's got a view on this, but probably not, according to many of our viewers and many of the people looking at the Fed funds. But there are many people, 60-70% chance now, saying we're going to get not one, not two, possibly three cuts in 2019. Quite extraordinary the way the market has leapt in. 
I will say to you this, be cautious. A lot of data out there is not saying the US economy is, is floundering. Uh, and today we've got JOLTS data. Later in the week, we've got CPI, absolutely key data. And even later in the week on Friday, we've got industrial production and retail sales. These are all, ladies and gentlemen, key measures. So that's the US markets. Would you like to look at the gold price as well? We talked to, to a man on Friday in Russia, in St. Petersburg. Well, I say that, Jeffrey Cutmore, our dear leader, did. Uh, and he thought that the gold price was going up. To be fair, he does produce precious metals. But anyway, that's what uh, happened. Apart from today, we've come off quite aggressively, 12 bucks lower. But we did get up to 52-week highs uh, in the Friday session on the price of gold, north of 1340 uh, per troy ounce. Would you like to look at the Asian markets? I bet you would as well. Let's have a look at the Chinese markets, which are rallying. Well, do, do we rally on the back of bad data or good data? Both seems to be the answer at the moment. But 1% higher for the Shanghai Composite. And as I say, the imports were down aggressively in China. I said this in the headlines. But the exports were, were marginally higher. We were expecting, I think it was a 3.8% decline in exports. So despite the tariff wars going on, China seems to be doing rather well on its export market. Let's have a look at the opening calls for European indices so far today. And the uh, FTSE 100 is called up 39 points to 73.64. Do you not find, Karen, it's always warm and comforting when he's back? It is indeed. I feel Welcome the family is complete. The triumvirate has the, the stool has three legs when you're back, Jeffrey. Well, the thing is, this happens so rarely <laughs> that we should celebrate the moments when we're all around the desk to get together because there is usually some OB going on somewhere, right. whether you're in France or you're off in Kiev or I'm off in Russia. Mm. But finally, we're back around the desk. Exactly. What the third week for the year? <laughs> Pro quite probably, yeah. Uh, so the message is coming out of G20 then. Uh, the Finmins think that global growth is stabilising, but of course there are potential downsides to growth here. One of those is around the trade deal. US Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says President Trump is ready to slap more tariffs on China if discussions with Xi Jinping don't go well later this month. Let's get out to Nancy, who conducted that interview and is at the G20 Finance Minister's Summit in Fukuoka in Japan. Uh, Nancy, it was hardly the uh, vote of confidence, I think, from Mnuchin the markets were looking for. No, not an outright vote of confidence, but of course, Jeff, the administration is going to keep that threat out there as they do get ready for the big meeting that is between President Trump and President Xi, which has now been confirmed to take place at the G20 leaders meeting in Osaka, Japan, just a few weeks from now. So... Secretary Mnuchin doesn't want to give anything away to say, sure, we are ready to negotiate. And I should mention that later on in the interview, he also talks about the fact that previously, if you look at Buenos Aires as an example, when Trump and Xi met and they actually agreed to put on hold additional tariffs, he did suggest that we may get a similar outcome this time around in Osaka as long as the two leaders can agree on terms to move forward. He didn't say that they would have to sign a comprehensive deal at that meeting, but we did have a chance to talk about how we got to this stage. Because remember, Secretary Mnuchin not so long ago was talking about the final inning of these trade talks with China. He was quite optimistic before they broke down at what appeared to be the final 11th hour, if you will. And I asked him what exactly 
did go wrong. What was behind those talks breaking down? Because we've heard so much speculation as to whether or not it was an enforcement issue, whether China was worried about having to put into law some of these changes, which they're saying we simply can't do. He wouldn't tell me exactly what happened because he said they're still in that period of negotiation, so he couldn't give that away. But he also had just come to us in the interview straight after his meeting with PBOC Governor Yi Gong, which is significant because that is the first high-level meeting we've seen with the two parties, the U.S. and China, since the talks broke down. So I did ask Secretary Mnuchin what went wrong, and if you're talking about returning to the same terms of negotiation in order to make progress, what does that mean in practice? Take a listen to what he told me. I think we were we had a deal that was almost 90 percent done. Uh, China wanted to go backwards on certain things. We've we've stopped uh, negotiating. And uh, I just had a very candid discussion with Governor Yi. Governor Yi has been part of the negotiating team. And again, we made some preparations in advance of a meeting for President Trump and President Xi. Okay. If China wants to move forward with the deal, we're prepared to move forward on the terms we've done. If China doesn't want to move forward, then President Trump is perfectly happy to move forward with tariffs to rebalance the relationship. So there you have Secretary Mnuchin explaining some of the conversation with the PBOC governor, saying they tried to lay the framework for the future discussions between Trump and Xi. I should also mention he talked about the conversation around currencies. And while he did say that China's currency has been weakening amid this ongoing trade fight and due to some of the weakness we've seen in the Chinese economy, he said to me very clearly he does not think this is down to manipulation. He thinks it's down more to natural market forces. And I think that is very important if we talk about the tone after that discussion with the PBOC governor. Moving on, we also had a chance to talk about the concerns around technology, which really have moved front and center in what started as a trade dispute. And I asked him specifically about Huawei, whether or not he thinks that the Chinese side wants to see the U.S. backtrack on some of their hard stance on Huawei, specifically that move to blacklist Huawei and prevent the U.S. companies from doing business with Huawei, which has been such a concern of Beijing's. I asked him whether or not China wants some concessions on that front before they can move ahead on with trade. Take a listen. The Huawei discussions are really national security discussions. They're, they're separate from trade. Uh, both we and China have acknowledged that in our discussions. Now, of course, President Trump, when he has the meeting, uh, it, it, to the extent he gets certain comfort on Huawei or other issues, obviously, we can talk about national security issues. But the, these are separate issues. They're not being linked to The trade. president has said they could be linked. Well, I think what the president is saying is if we move forward on trade, that perhaps he'll be willing to do certain things on Huawei if he gets comfort from China on that and, and certain guarantees. So there you have it. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin really hitting at the difficulty of trying to separate these issues, trade and national security. He certainly wants to because I presume that makes his job easier if he can focus on investment and trade issues specifically. But given that technology is really at the center of what is a national security vulnerability between these two countries, that is so difficult. And you heard him trying to explain the president's own comments because President Trump has said that Huawei could be part of a trade deal. And I would bet that China, too, will want to make very clear to President Trump in those meetings in Osaka that they want to see some changes around the U.S. stance with Huawei if they're going to come to some agreement on trade, guys. Nancy, terrific. Thank you very much indeed for that. We'll catch up with you a little later on in programming. Look, I don't want to dwell on this. There's nothing more annoying 
than one of us coming back from an OB and spending ages talking about it for the following week. But I'm aware that the plenary session that I was attending in St. Petersburg on Friday was out of our time. So it is just worth um, commenting on this um, and picking up from what Nancy was saying. Because what struck me was that uh, Pre President Xi had the opportunity in front of thousands of Russian business people who've been listening to President Putin telling them how angry he is about the West, how the uh, White House misunderstands the nature of the relationship and has overextended its authority globally and so on and so forth. President Xi could have sat there and said, yep, we agree with you. Donald Trump is mucking things up. This trade row is terrible. The Americans don't know what they're doing and so on. But mm. he didn't do any of that. And I think his language was incredibly measured. And what surprised me as he came out at the end of that plenary, effectively saying, well, you know, President Putin is my best and bosom friend, but President Trump is also my best friend. And that just encouraged me to think on Friday that maybe the markets got a little bit excited as well in the US session about the fact that they didn't hear a Chinese president who was repeating the same kind of antagonistic line towards the Americans that we've heard in a lot of the Chinese official state media. There was enough signaling function anyway, wasn't there, having the two leaders together and talking about being you know, bosom buddies effectively. Uh, there was a strong message on the back of uh, harsh rhetoric last week, Musa last week, that the language from the Chinese ministry, from officials, started to escalate against the United States. You didn't really need that icing on top from President Xi Jinping just to, to cap off what has been very hostile week from the Chinese against the Americans. So maybe it was enough for him just to, to be in Russia to send a message, we have other friends. It's not just the United States. If you really do want us to pivot in that direction, then we can do so. But I don't think many people in China, for instance, would want that to happen. If you think about national stability, where a lot of the growth has come from, a lot of it has been through globalization, deep um, trade with international markets, including the United States. So you can see why Xi Jinping probably tried to delicately tiptoe around the politics domestically and internationally. I would just say after the weekend events around Mexico, actually getting a deal done with Mexico and the United States, maybe this is a good sign for the uh, for the G20. Yeah, I mean, look, you, this is real politique and real Absolutely. economics. And let, let's be basic about it. The Russians are trying to get into the top 10 trading partners with the Chinese and are not there yet. If you look at the top 10 trading partners with the Chinese, it is littered with, of course, the US at number one, but US allies at numbers three, five, six, whatever, you name it. You put it in perspective, US is by a country mile, the largest trading partner with China. Uh, Hong Kong obviously is there, but then whether you look at that as one state or not, that's very much topical at the moment, given changes to uh, legislation potentially. Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, Germany, India, Netherlands, United Kingdom, and Singapore make up the top 10 as well. Um, yeah, by all means, if, you, if you've got problems with the US, you try and sort it out diplomatically, because if not, that is a whole apple cart that um, can be tipped over. As much as the Russian energy story is important, uh, for China and of course the China technology story looks like it's becoming more and more important for Russia it is a drop in the ocean compared yeah. with the broader picture there was a um, uh, just to wrap up on this uh, uh, President Putin uh, claimed that this was a Chinese proverb and it, a lot of people it seems to be retreating to Chinese proverbs because there seems to be one for every situation but this one actually applies to us here I think as well and it was an interesting proverb uh, when two tigers fight in a valley the clever monkey climbs up a tree to see which one wins. It's 
I feel a bit like the clever monkey here sometimes, every now and again, when you guys go at it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, but I thought that was interesting. Well, you're so above <laughs> bands, aren't you? You're so above the rough and tumble of scoreboard. What do you come back as? You're kind of some times. great but, soothsayer. No, not you're exactly. Like Diogenes sitting in your barrel while us two are kicking each other Exactly. You get back in your barrel, Mr Monkey. We'll carry on with the banter. But what I thought was funny was... Is that what they're going to get out of the podcast today? The fact that you're above the fighting? And you Confucius says, when monkey climbs down, both tigers attack. <laughs> if, they, if they learn nothing else from the podcast, at least they'll walk away with a Chinese saying that they can repeat around the water cooler yeah. today. But don't forget, a crisis is an opportunity riding the dangerous wind. We've got to move on, well, It's better to be without a book than to believe a book entirely. We could go on with more. A little impatience will spoil great plans. Are we, are we going there? Are we just doing Chinese proverb <laughs> let's, day? Let's move on, shall we? No, uh, no, 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 Mr Monkey. You just we, get up your tree. Because we, we missed the Dragon Boat Festival. <laughs> that would have been the right day to do this, but it's passed, unfortunately. Oh, but anyway, so bubble the rough and tumble now he's come back. Let's they? move on <laughs> swiftly. China has pledged to protect. I wish I hadn't brought it up now. No, China no, no, no. has you pledged to. You monkey while us two are tigers fighting each other. What do you but, expect? But, but the metaphor was interesting. It's amazing how delicately he, he upsets us. He, he thought we hadn't but, even noticed. Should we get some bananas onto this? <laughs> just, it's just going to sit there like this, isn't it, above us all? Oh, you two. Cute bananas. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, read your read. Are we, are we done now? No. Can we move on? <laughs> one more, one more, perhaps, before we go. OK, hang on a second, then. A journey of a 1,000 miles begins with a single step. And this is where we pick up on okay. the show. Uh, China has pledged to protect its tech industry against US pressure with, quote, more legal weapons. Several state media editorials refu referred to supply restrictions based on US national security laws and said Beijing would create a system to match. That's after Xinhua announced a national technological security management list said to be a counterpart to the US entity list. Separately, the New York Times reports Beijing has summoned execs from major tech companies. You're, you're shedding a tear, actually. <laughs> she won't be reading the next 10 minutes, I'll tell you. Including what Intel, done to the poor lady? Qualcomm and Microsoft to world of consequences <laughs> if they comply with the US sales bans. Karen. I'll try and do crouching tiger instead of crying, <laughs> crying tiger right now. China has reported its highest overall trade surplus since December on the back of a sharp fall in imports. The closely watched US surplus was $26.89 billion in May, almost $6 billion higher than April. That is mind over matter. Let's get out to Eunice for more on this report. May export data beat estimates. It appears that manufacturers rushed orders or front-loaded shipments after President Trump had threatened to slap tariffs on another $300 billion worth of Chinese goods, potentially as early as this month. Exports jumped 1.1% year-on-year, blowing past consensus of a fall of 3.8%. Imports also suggest limp domestic demand, shrinking 8.5%, much more than the expected decline of 3.8%. Most analysts predict weakening global demand and a worsening U.S.-China trade war to portend a weaker second half of this year. Expectations for a quick trade deal between Presidents Trump and Xi are also low, so many believe that Beijing will stimulate its economy further. Today, China showcased new measures meant to boost consumption, fewer restrictions on car purchases, and discounts on eco-friendly appliances. Even so, Nomura believes more needs to be done, while Bank of America Mayor Lynch expects broader policy support, multiple triple R cuts, and three interest rate cuts for 2019. China's exports for rare earth minerals is down 16% from April. Beijing had been suggesting that it could scale back on these exports to the U.S. 
as a countermeasure in the trade war. Yunus Yoon, CNBC Business News, Beijing. Well, let's move on. The Mexican peso traded nearly 2% higher after U.S. President Donald Trump announced tariffs on Mexico, which were meant to be imposed today, would be suspended indefinitely. Mr. Trump made the announcement on Twitter, saying the country had agreed to, quote, stem the tide of migration along the border. Key aspects of the deal have yet to be released, with President Trump saying that details will be announced at, quote, the appropriate time. While speaking to CNBC at the G20 finance minister's meeting, the Canadian finance minister, Bill Morneau, welcomed the deal. It's unequivocally good news from our perspective. We didn't think that that was uh, something that would be helpful to the USMCA ratification. I actually just came from a meeting with Steven Mnuchin where we were talking about it. In both of our perspectives, this allows us a more clear path in moving forward. So we're... We're pleased. We think it's obviously better for broader trading relationships and, and good for the ratification. S&P up 4.4% last week. What is the S&P looking like doing this week so far? Well, the future change very similar to the implied open there as well. Fair value, negative 12. Uh, the unemployment number or the jobs number, uh, as we know it, on Friday appeared to be disappointing on the face of it. But it did seem to spark optimism over interest rate cuts. We'll have more on that story. And if you just can't get enough of Squawk Box, be sure to tune in to our very own podcast. Head to CNBC.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast to have a listen and download today's episode. For our listeners out there, stick around for some more. The economic agenda today is heavily UK-focused, with GDP for the month of April expected to be weaker both on year and on month. Industrial output growth is also forecast to be lower. US jobs growth slowed dramatically in May, according to the latest non-farm payroll data. The economy added 75,000 last month, coming in far below the Dow Jones forecast of 180,000. The unemployment rate was in line with estimates at 3.6%, marking a 50-year low. Average hourly earnings were up 3.1% year-on-year. That was slightly below estimates. Job counts for March and April were also revised lower. US markets rallied despite the disappointing numbers with investors believing the Federal Reserve will come under pressure now to cut rates further. Well, U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin told CNBC he's not worried about the latest job figures, adding the U.S. growth numbers remain robust relative to Europe and China. In regards to U.S. growth, I think U.S. growth is still really the bright spot of the world, and that's really the story that I'm hearing today. Uh, as it relates to the employment numbers, I, I wouldn't focus on any one number. There's, there's plenty of volatility in these numbers. We still see the growth in the U.S. is really quite strong. And we are somewhat concerned about what we see as a slowdown in Europe, China, in other areas of the world. Uh, from an existential point of view, what's interesting to me is we had a lot of people coming through this desk over the last few months going, the bond market's got it wrong. They've got it wrong. They've got it wrong. Follow the equity markets. The equity markets are telling you what's going on. 
the bond markets just don't understand. And then we get this latest jobs number, and then people suddenly start slashing their expectations for interest rates in the U.S. at the end of the year. So maybe the bond markets do know a thing or two. It's not just the bond markets, though, if you're looking for signs of weakness. Oil markets also collapsed over the course of the last week or so. And then you had the, the data that's culminated with the jobs report. There's been weakness in retail numbers. There's been weakness in manufacturing. So if you want to have a bear case, there is evidence out there to support the bear case. My question then, and this is the big what if that remains in my mind, is if you do get a resolution at G20, then does that ward off the rate cut in July that's now getting priced into markets because that comes about a month or so later? Will it be enough to stop the Fed from taking action? So I have two points. I've got three now. One, G20 never decides anything really on a global basis unless there's a real crisis. It hasn't worked Between many, many... Between Xi and Trump, if you Hang get on. a resolution. So, so the Tony Abbott one was a complete joke. So don't believe a, a thing that's going to come out of these millions of jobs out of G20 because it's, it's spurious for a start. Secondly, the equity market is telling you, because it's going up as well, that um, there's going to be a rate cut because it's all on the buybacks as well. That is the greatest catalyst for why the market's running as well. So I, I would say the market's going up because they think there's going to be a rate cut because they're going to have more free and easy money. Uh, third point and final point, isn't it amazing how all these geniuses tell you that uh, employment data is backward looking until it suits them and then they say, yeah, no, it's really signalling a rate cut. How many people do we have telling us, oh yeah, the payroll, you're looking backwards, you're looking backwards. Oh, look at the payroll, look at the payroll, it's useless when they want it. Uh, let's take the break. Is that the end of the podcast? Um, I think it is. Oh. We've got to wrap it up here. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Show. Weekdays on CNBC.